morning, Crossroads. How are you this morning? Happy New Year. You made it. Give yourselves a hand. It's 2021. Woo! Praise the Lord. It is good to see you this morning. I'm going to ask our Dominican team to kind of make their way on up here, either these steps or the side, whichever works best for you. Uh, we had a wonderful time in the Dominican Republic on our trip. And uh, they're going to share here in just a minute a little bit about their experience. If you are visiting with us today, I know I've seen my mom and dad. Uh, I've seen another friend that used to serve in the Dominican Republic. Miss Elaine, great to see you this morning. And uh, if you're watching on our live stream, thank you for joining us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the privilege to worship together today. Uh, we do not take for granted this opportunity to kick off a new year, to recognize you for your goodness. And to ask you, Lord, as this new year starts, to use these next 52 weeks to make us into the men and women of God that you want us to be. So we give you this service today. We pray that you would be honored and that you'd be glorified and that you would speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, as the Dominican team kind of makes their way out here, there they are, they're ready. Uh, I would just want to say a couple of thank yous to you as a church family. Number one, for your heart. Uh, for people, not only locally in our community, but internationally around the world. And I want to brag on this crew. Uh, if you had been able to watch during our time together, uh, you would have thought that this team were fully trained, highly trained, years of experience missionaries because they were out uh, aggressively sharing the Lord and going door to door and visiting and in our garbage dump. And you may hear some of the stories that they'll share in just a minute. But uh, they did a phenomenal job not only representing the Lord, but also representing our church. We also had um, my son Will, who's not up here this morning, and a couple other folks from around uh, the nation join us. We wound up having 15 people on our trip, which was a great team. So they're going to come share a little bit about their experience. And uh, who's going to start us this morning? Miss Rennell, why don't you lead us off this morning? Good morning. Hola. <laughs> That's the best word I said and the, about the only word I said. But I was so, so thankful for the interpreters. What a blessing it was to go. Um, there were, when I think about the trip, I think of the fruit of the Spirit. And there are three of them that capitalized um, my mind when we were there. And that was uh, love and kindness and humility. Humility is gentleness, as I was reading last night. So I, I equated that to one of the fruits. Um, there, were, there were times when I saw the hand of God upon the Dominicans, um, the ones that were helping, the ones that were the missionaries, and the young people who were coming up and had been in the program for even 10 years or more, and how they bless my heart. Um, there were uh, several things that, that, capt, uh, that captured my attention, and let me see uh, what, how they, God was using them. Uh, whenever we were going up the mountain, and I think about the mud, the mountain village, and how that, it was so hard to walk up that uh, that hill and the truck couldn't take us up and we had to literally uh, 
make our way through the mud. And when we got to the top of the hill and our shoes were so dirty, and I've, uh, there was a tub of water and Edwin, one of the, the young leaders, uh, washed my feet. And that just showed the love of Jesus in his heart that he ministered to me. And how that is so real um, that when we think we go, we think that we're the ones that are going to minister to them. But it's not the case. In so many times, um, they ministered to me. Um, when I went to visit and the little lady um, that we were praying, we went in the, our house and I prayed and uh, I, I left and we left. And there was, Beth Ann lingered a little bit longer. And she says, oh, the lady that left, give her this. So she, uh, Beth Ann came to me and found me at the next house. And she said, hold out your hand. I held out my hand and I closed it. I didn't even notice what she was putting in there. But it was broken shells. There were three that were together. And all the others were broken. And it made me see that the brokenness of these people... And not only these people, but us, us in America, we have brokenness, but God uses our bro brokenness to his glory and his honor and to increase the kingdom. I could talk more and more. I could show you pictures of how God used us, and I'm so thankful that I went, and, and I'm just glad that, um, that God really worked on us and led us down the road where we could, we could see the needs of the Dominicans. Not only should we work here, but we should work in other places too. And so I thank Jack for getting this trip together. put 
my my shoes on. Greetings, everyone. There's so many, so many thousands of things I've been thinking of I'd love to tell you. And um, I woke up in the middle of the night last night, and I thought of three things that just came to my mind that this trip, the whole trip, just exemplified. And that was God's provision, uh, his perfect timing, and the absolute power of prayer. Um, this provision started before we even went on this trip. Um, many of you don't know my passport. I hadn't realized it expired in December, two days before the trip, and thought of this one day, woke up thinking of it in October. When does my passport expire? And God worked. It came a week and a half before we left. Um, he provided the things we need to go. Um, we, we had been looking for suitcases off and on and had never found any, and about a week before we left, walked into Google, and I'm walking the aisles praying, Lord, please let there be suitcases, and there was four perfect ones just right there. Uh, we needed to bring supplies, and Steve and Diane, Mom and Dad, uh, they, they had collected a lot of medical supplies just because they had seen them on sale, at a sale, and had a lot of extras to donate. Um, and once we got there, what amazed me about God's provision is the people that were there, they didn't have much of anything. But they gave so generously um, to us. They would invite us all into their homes, and sometimes our whole group couldn't even fit into the home. There'd be people out on the porch, and we're standing like this, and we all have kids with us by this time that had joined us on our travels, and they would just welcome us in, find as many chairs as they could, grab them from a back room. Um, they would offer us coffee. Um, one lady put on music, um, had us sit there, and she sang along to the music. And probably one of the most special in the house visits was definitely the shells <clears throat> that Ronell was was talking about. I had just admired something on the way out the door because I was the last one stuck in the house and and she told me to wait and looked around for a while and found a jar of shells. Gave me some and, and asked, you know, for Rennell. Um, it was beautiful. Um, and the little girls, one of them gave me a little red twist tie. <laughs> I didn't even know what she was putting in my hair, but she was doing my hair and she put it right here and we have some unique pictures of me with my little red twist tie. Um, my daughter, she was playing with a little boy about this tall, um, basketball, and he saw she had bracelets up her arm, and he had a couple rubber bands on his, and, and he gave two to her so that she had more bracelets on her arm. Um, and the hike, you've heard from both of them about the hike. It, it was definitely um, one of the most interesting. I love to hike. I've hiked a lot. This, this was not a hike. This was a, an adventure. Um, <laughs> And, and, and the washing of feet, but probably one of the, the greatest acts of giving I saw there and probably the whole trip was this man in a purple shirt. Um, my shoes, you know, I had brought my old shoes because they were going to get dirty and we were just going to leave them there. And the bottoms of mine were very slick. I mean, they were smooth. <laughs> so every time I would touch mud, I would ski just a little bit. Uh, my daughter actually got two poles and just skied down the hill, but I only had one little stick and... I was trying to walk on the sides of the road, and I had done really well. Like, the village we were stopping at was in sight. It was probably from about that wall all the way to that wall, but it was a hill, and it was like this deep in mud. And I was trying to walk on the sides so I wouldn't slip, but as it went down, the sides went up. 
And I was kind of standing up on the side trying to decide how I was going to get down this hill when a gentleman I didn't know um, stopped by and does this. He leans over, pats his back, as in, I'm going to give you a piggyback ride down the hill. <laughs> and I looked at him and I thought, you have no idea what you're offering. I have a backpack on my back that weighed tons and myself. And so I was like, no, thank you. And I thought, if I can just get my shoes off, I can walk through the mud and not slip. So I tried to ask him to help me with that, and he misunderstood at first, and he started taking off his boots to give to me. And I thought, this is amazing. This must be someone who lives in this little village here, and he's been sent to help us. And I finally helped him understand. He helped me get off my socks and shoes. He held my arm. We walked down the whole village, and I stopped for a moment to, like, pause, and I look up. And he was already going and joining a group of his friends, and they were continuing on down the mountain. He wasn't even part of us. He wasn't part of the village. And yet he took that much time to work through getting me down that part of the hill. It was just amazing. And we talked about a verse. Um, sometimes we wonder why we have so much and they have so little. Um, but God's plan is perfect. He says, to, to whom much is given, much is required. So... I hope that, that we give um, like they give. Um, the second thing was perfect timing. Um, we heard so many missionary stories about how the timing of God, the minute they said yes to God and decided to move there, boom, there was a job opening. So many times, over and over, just the timing of things um, showed up um, with their willingness. And sometimes it's the little things on timing. The missionary, Laura, who lived at the place where we stayed, um, when we arrived, I had packed a big thing of bug spray in the checked luggage, and I thought, I'll just leave it there. And I told her, I said, hey, I'm going to leave this here. We can't take it home. And she said, oh, praise God. I had just, she said, I've been trying to hoard the bug spray. She said, usually teams come all throughout the year. You're the first team here since March. And I had just opened my last can of bug spray, and it's so expensive here. Thank you so much. And I just felt so humbled by that. Um, and it's the blessings, as Connie sang the other week, blessings come through raindrops. Um, I've sung that song for years as a bedtime song, but it was so true. The rain was not planned. We didn't plan on the rain for that day. But if the rain hadn't come, the mud wouldn't have been there. The hike would have been different. We would have been hiking so fast, we wouldn't have paused to visit with people on the way. We would have never met a group of ladies who, when we asked if we could pray for them, prayed for us. We would have never had the experience of having them wash our feet. We would have never had so many of those experiences if the rain, if the rain hadn't come. But it did. And um, the last night it, it came and it, uh, it almost cried tears. It felt like God was crying with us on that, on that sad night. Um, the third thing was the power of prayer. Um, you're praying for us to go. The fact that we were the first team that actually made it there. There were so many scheduled to go, and one by one they dropped off. Even one was supposed to go the week after us, and they just had been given a mandatory quarantine when they returned, and they couldn't do it. Um, so the fact that we were able to go and y'all prayed for us was amazing. Um, and I'm thankful that, uh, that when we asked people if we could pray for them, no one said no. But they weren't asking for things. They were asking for their family for protection, for God's provision, for health, for themselves and their whole, their whole village. 
And many times when we would finish, they would say, can I pray for you? Those times were so special. Um, but probably the biggest thing that impacted me was the last night we were there. We had gone downtown to pray for the prostitutes um, in the, that were in the city. And we were just going to walk one block and just pray for those we passed. And as we were walking and praying, we were about halfway done when this little group of boys came up to us. And um, they asked us for prayer because they had saw we were praying. And um, God also provided Misha, who speaks Creole, because a lot of them were Haitian. And so she was speaking to them in Creole and found out that their parents knew they were there. The oldest was 19, but the rest were 12, 14, and 15, I think. And they said they were down there to provide for their families, and they were begging for money. And they just wanted us to pray that they would be safe while they were doing their job for their families. And Misha asked them, she said, do you want us to pray in Creole, or do you want me to try to pray in Spanish? And the little boy said, no. We want all of you to pray in all of your languages at the same time, because we want all the prayers. And to have all of us praying in different languages at the same time, and that's, that's what the little boys wanted from us, was prayer. Um, and at, now I, I want to leave you with a, with a picture of hope. Um, when I was down there, as we traveled through the villages, you would see so many houses. There weren't houses yet. It'd be like two walls, and you'd see the rebar sticking up. Or you would see a house that was one story, and there was one we walked up on the roof. It was where the missionary was going to move into the village once the house was fixed, and there's rebar sticking up everywhere. And I'm a very OCD person. I'm thinking, why did they leave this rebar? Just cut it off, make it look nice. You know, why is it here? And then I was at the missionary's house um, where we stayed, and we were watching the moon set. You can see the moon. And she was so excited. She said, I want to take pictures from my balcony. And I was like, I want to grab my camera. And she's like, come with me. And we ran up the stairs, and Chloe came up with us. And we went through our house out onto the balcony. And we took the pictures of the moon. And then we walked through her house, and she showed us our house and showed us this balcony. And I walked out, and I'm like, this is a gorgeous place. And once again, I see the rebar sticking up. And she said, well, we built this one floor at a time. And then we added the next, and then the next, we're just waiting. We want to build a pergola. And I thought, I've got it all wrong. This rebar is not ugly. It's beautiful. It shows these people they have hope for the future. It's going to provide stability when, when they are ready or they have the money or God provides for that next level of their building. It's, it's there. It's ready. And they're ready to move on to whatever God's plans are for them. And so I hope we will be the same way. I hope we will be ready and not look at other people as halfway done, but look at them as preparing to move on um, to, what, to what God has for us. morning. First of all, I want to thank Jack for letting me go on this trip. Uh, among other things, you can go. You're not too old. 
and I approve that. <laughs> the Lord really spoke to my heart on this trip as much as I think he ever has in my whole life. Sunday morning we went to the worship service and there's those people singing songs and raising their hands and praising the Lord. And I thought, I don't understand a word they say and most of them don't understand me. But yet, the Lord's presence was real. I'm serious. I don't think I have ever felt the Lord's presence any more than I felt in that worship service. And then we went to the trash dump. Now, I've been blessed in my lifetime over the years. I've been in several different countries, rich countries and some that's not so rich, but I've never seen poverty like I, have, I saw on this trip. It is unbelievable, the poverty. In one village, this little girl came up to me and she started talking English and she had been to the school and she had learned English. And she said, I'm 15. My dad died four months ago. I said to her, does your mom work? And she said, no, my mom don't work. And I said, well, how do you eat? She said, the mission feeds us. And that's heartbreaking. That those people are so poor. Now I grew up in the mountains when people were poor, but they weren't this poor. They always had something to eat. And they're not too far from the dump. And the wind blows a lot of the trash through this village, and the trash is through this village, so you can't even walk. For the garbage. And there the people are sitting all day long. It's as if they have given up hope. And they just let the trash go. I helped the, the leader, the, everybody was painting missions building him a new house he and his family and the kids went and started painting and they ran out of rollers and brushes I don't like paint anyway so that suited me <laughs> but I looked outside and here this the leader is he's trying to pick up the trash out of his little old front yard it's not very big at all and I got out there and helped him And then 
we got through the front yard. He just piled it up in a pile. I got out behind his house and picked up all the trash in his backyard. And I couldn't find anywhere, anything, anywhere to put it. They didn't have no trash bags. They didn't have nothing. And one of the neighbor families, the girl was sitting out back, and she had a, there was a box, and she'd picked up her trash and piled it up in a little pile, and that box was partly full. And I thought I could put my trash in her box. So I took out a dollar bill, and I reached at her and reached at the box, and she said, gracious. And I gave her the dollar for a part in the empty box, and I put part of the trash I'd picked up in that box, and we piled all up in a pile. And there wasn't a garbage bag in the whole neighborhood. I would like to get a team up to go back down there with the purpose of going into that village and cleaning it up. I'm serious. They're in desperate property. And then we went up on the mountain. Mountains, not much taller than the mountains you see in Western North Carolina but they start down at the ocean, so they're pretty tall. And most time, it's about as steep as from here to the corner of the building. I mean, it's steep. And it had rained the day before. You never saw such deep mud in your life. It was above everybody's shoe top. I think everybody that went on, well, everybody went on the mountain. I think everybody left their shoes. But I was fortunate. I got to ride the donkey. <laughs> <laughs> the donkey made, and me made it pretty good up the mountain, but coming down the mountain, you had to hang on for dear life. It was coming off like that. Ronell started, but she gave up. <laughs> but I got up on the mountain village before any of the others did. The little old guy who lived up there, he saw me, and he came running, both arms open, gave me a hug and I want to tell you for sure that Peter talks in his writings that my spirit will deal with your spirit if you know the Lord like I do our spirits will meet together I'd never seen that little old guy before in my life. He'd never seen me, and I couldn't speak to him. He couldn't tell me nothing. But he reached, and he hugged me, and I hugged him back, and my heart met with his. Such a thrill. Such a blessing. 
And I've thought about that since. We went door to door. Witnessing to those people. Many of them knew the Lord. You'd ask them, do you know the Lord as your Savior? Amen, amen, amen. But there's a few I met and asked. They said no. I said, would you like to know the Lord? Not now. But uh, one other experience, and I had several. I won't take the time and tell you about them. But we were in the village of another village. And it was up the side of a mountain. The little old houses are about 20 by 30. And they got five or six or seven or eight people living in that little old house. Many of them's got an outdoor kitchen. You could build a fire and they got a grill put over it. That's how they cook. And they were up on the mountain, and I'm working my way down the side of the mountain, and I knew I could not climb up that mountain back up the hill. I give out breath too easy. So Jack's sister and I, and a lady who was, her and her husband are, from another area and they left the church in Texas and they're down there to establish another mission board and they came to observe uh, crossover. And they spent a couple of days with me. She's walking down the hill with us. And I got tired and there's a big rock sitting on the side of the road, the, the little old muddy road coming down the hill to rest a minute and this lady came out of her door, come on in, come on in, come on in. And she kept insisting. And she took us in and got us her nicest chairs and set us down and made us a pot of coffee. And I said, we're glad to be able to visit you. She said, oh, it's my thrill, it's my thrill. You go to the door and they most of the time will meet you at the door and they'll invite you in, treat you like you are an angel or something, set you down, they're very sweet individuals. And I got to thinking about that. In one of the Psalms, David says, no one cared for my soul. And after I've visited all those little old places, and I've come back, and I have thought, that must be the attitude and the feeling that those people have, is that no one cares for their soul. And that troubles me deeply. Well, 
You say, what can I do? Well, for one thing, you can go on a mission trip. <laughs> I'm sure Jack would be glad for you to go. And everybody that went on the trip, except the grown-ups you've seen on the stage, were college kids. And they treated me like I was their grandpa. They really did. They carried my bag, and if I started to fall, they grabbed me. I've never been treated better in my life. And I just praise the Lord this morning for what he did for me. Now, I've had the habit, the habit for some time. Several years ago, I had an experience. I won't share that with you now, but uh, everybody that I run up with and you talk to them, they say, pray for me. And I say, okay, I will, here. And I pray for them. So if you say to me, pray for me, I'm going to right then. And I expect to do more of that than I have in the past with the Lord's help. I could stand up here all day and tell you what the Lord did for me. But I want to commend Jack and the heart he has for those people and the heart he has for missions. Unless you all are familiar with, you don't really know what all this man does. What actually he's accomplished that you see in the Dominican Republic. It's amazing the work they have done for the last 10 years and the lives they have touched. And I plan to go back if Jack will let me. And I invite you to go. But in the meantime, you can give a little extra money. Put a little extra money in the envelope and designate it to cross over cups. And you can believe me, I've seen firsthand that it will definitely be used for a good cause. I hope everybody pray for me that I'll do the Lord's will. It's my will, my purpose in life to serve the Lord the rest of the years that I have, whatever that is. If it's two days or ten years, I'm going to serve the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. We're going to stand and sing in just a minute, and I'm not going to take time. I'm just going to show you in picture video. I think we got a video ready. Uh, we called the mule that Renell and Pastor Jim rode Uber <laughs> so we could harass them a little bit. But uh, enjoy this video, and then we'll continue our worship.
isn't it exciting to know that God can use you wherever you are? What a great message it is today. Ushers, if you'll come down, let's have a prayer together for our offering. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity we have to serve you. Father, thank you for the opportunity to serve you on the mission field. Thank you for the opportunity to serve you right where we are. Thank you for the opportunity to give, to give back to you what you've already provided for us. Now, I pray that you would use these monies not only to spread your word throughout our church, our community, but through our world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. What a beautiful message and song. Today we're going to be singing two great songs. We're going to be singing the potter's hand and we're going to be singing Jesus Lord to me. A beautiful Lord, wonderful Savior, I know for sure all of my days they're held right in your hands. And we get to the chorus and it says, I'm captured by your holy calling. Set me apart. I know you're drawing me to yourself. Let's stand together as we sing these two great songs today. this new year I, I wrote something out this past week and uh, I thought about the song I believe it's Sonny Callahan's one of his favorite songs in all the world you know many things I don't know about tomorrow did you hear that there are many things in this new year we don't know about but I know the one that holds tomorrow and I place my trust in the one who holds it. Jesus, Lord, to me. If you'll pull that up, Brad, we're going to sing that just once more. Master, Savior, my goodness gracious. He's good to us. Prince of peace, ruler of my heart today. Jesus, Lord, to me. Let's sing this chorus just once more. Jesus, Jesus, Lord 
Thank you. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. If you've got your Bible, if you'll open up to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, we're going to dive right in and get after it this morning. And uh, if you are visiting with us today, we're glad you're here. Our church is starting today a new study, and we're going through the book of Mark. I hope that you have gotten one of these books. If not, you'll get one in small group this morning. And uh, a new schedule today, starting today, uh, to help us as a church kind of study a book of the Bible together. I'm excited about it. If you're not excited about it, I hope that the contagiousness of, uh, is that a word? Contagiousness of those that are will spread on to you because I really believe that as we kick off a new year, this is also going to hopefully kick off a new chapter in our, not just yours, but mine as well, our spiritual growth together. I am so excited about this as we study uh, the book of Mark. I just want to share with you four simple words this morning. And then you're going to kind of dissect these maybe a little bit more as you go into your uh, small groups. Uh, Mark is a fantastic book of the Bible. Timing-wise, we hope that we will finish on Easter Sunday with the resurrection as the book of Mark ends. And in this uh, book that the church put together for you, the first half is your small group studies. And the last half is the sermon outlines. Now, uh, the pages aren't numbered, but it's about, well, they are. It's about halfway through, you'll see a, a section that says sermon and message outlines. There's not an outline for today. So if you want to use kind of the blank piece of paper that's beside the sermon outline for next week for Mark chapter 2 and take notes, you feel free to do that. But we'll be studying the book of Mark through our small group and through our worship time. Mark is a great book. It's an action book. And you'll find out that in the book of Mark, uh, he uses the word immediately a lot. Some translations will say at once. You'll see he, he uses those uh, terms a lot. And we're going to just look at the first few verses this morning. I want to give you four words that I see that are important. And then we will head into our small group time together. Mark chapter 1 verse 1. The beginning of the gospel. Gospel means good news. Why is the gospel good news? We're going to discover, hopefully in our small groups this morning, why the gospel is good news. If you have good news, that would imply that maybe there's some not so good news or maybe some bad news. The bad news is that I'm a sinner. Matter of fact, I'm a whole lot worse than most of you think that I am. I'm not all that. Outside of what Jesus has done for me, I am worthless and nothing. And the good news is, because of the blood of Christ, and because of the journey of Christ in his life that we'll study about through the book of Mark, and his sacrifice on the cross, and his blood shed for me, I can be a new creation, creation, a new creature. And that's the good news. As it is written, verse 2 in Isaiah, the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face. John the Baptist, who he's talking about here, the first messenger. For Jesus, who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Verse 4, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. All the country of Judea was going out to him and all the people of Jerusalem and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and his diet was locust and wild honey. And he was preaching and saying, After me one is coming who is mightier than I, 
And I am not fit to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And it came about in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. He was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. And a voice came out of the heavens, Thou art my beloved Son, and thee I am well pleased. And immediately, there's that word, the Spirit impelled him to go out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan, and with the wild beasts and angels were ministering to him. And after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel and saying, The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is hand, repent and believe in the gospel. There is so much in the book of Mark. Uh, I want to tell you up front as we go through this study together, uh, my expectation as one of your pastors, is that you'll be reading these chapters along with us, hopefully during the week, because there's no way we're going to be able to look at everything in each chapter, even this morning, in the few minutes we've got left here and in your small group, we're not even going to be able to dissect and look at everything in chapter 1. But I want to give you four very important words that we see in these verses, and the first one is this, personal confession. Personal confession. Verse 4 says, so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The people in the countryside came out. They were baptized, confessing their sins. Confession is a great thing. It's a lost art and a lost word in the North American church. Because we like to think that we're all fine. And we're really not all fine. But when you walk in the church and you say, hello, how you doing? I'm fine. How you doing? I'm fine. We're all fine. No, we're not all fine. We're all sinners. But again, the good news is because of Jesus, we have a great future. And sometimes we're doing okay, and that's good when we're doing okay, and sometimes we're doing great. But we need to learn that art of confession. In the Dominican and other places on the globe, they know the art of confession because they understand the power of community and the power of the body of Christ. We need to know confession. Confession, by the way, is not just saying, I'm sorry. That's a part of confession. It's not just this feeling of being sorry. I may remember uh, our kids when they were younger, and maybe you've had kids or grandkids, nieces, nephews. Uh, I remember even growing up, my mom and dad are here this morning. They probably remember this. We'd be in the back seat, you know, on long trips, and we would hit each other. And then my well, sister and I would, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then as soon as we said, I'm sorry, we'd start hitting each other again. So being sorry is, is more than just a feeling. It actually moves into from being a personal confession to the next thing that he talks about there, and that is repentance, personal repentance. That is turning. That's a churchy word that we use a lot, but personal repentance is it's, it's an action word that means I'm walking this way, maybe walking in sin, and I repent. I stop. I experience personal confession. I'm sorry. I turn around. I turn from my sin and I start walking this way. You see, the two are linked together, and that's what John the Baptist was preaching. Not only saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but turning from your sin. See, I wasn't truly sorry poking my sister in the backseat of that car until I turned from it and I stopped doing it. And sometimes we come to Christ and we have a wonderful God. Who reminds us in 1 John 1, 9 that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is true. But if you read another book in the Bible, the book of Romans, Paul says in Romans 5, 6, and 7 that we shouldn't take the fact that we are able to ask for forgiveness 
as a license just to keep doing wrong and sinning. Because if we continue to do that and sin over and over, it really means we really have not truly repented. You say, Jack, what are you saying? I'm saying that if there are things in our lives that we continue to do over and over again, and we go to God and we say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but we don't repent, have we truly changed? Those are two powerful words I see there. The third word that I see is baptism. Baptism, verse 5, they were being baptized in the Jordan River. They were coming to John the Baptist because of his preaching of the good news which was coming. They didn't even understand all about it yet because Jesus was not on the scene. But John the Baptist telling about the good news that was coming. They were coming to him and confessing their sins and saying, Wow, I need repentance. I want to know about this good news of Jesus and I need to be baptized. You may or may not know this, but one of the distinctive things about the Baptist church is that we believe in believer's baptism. Some of us are part of the Baptist church and we don't really know all that the Baptist church believes. I would encourage you to get plugged in enough that you actually know what we believe and what we believe in Crossroads Baptist Church. Because one of the things that makes us distinctive as Baptists is we believe in believer's baptism, which means when you come to Christ, when you confess and you repent and you are baptized, that that's when you become a part of the family of God spiritually and physically as a part of this body. There are some other religious groups, denomination groups that believe you can be baptized when you're one years old and, and you're, you're, you're part of the family of God. It's not really what the Bible teaches. We have baby dedication where we as parents present our child to God and say, help us raise this child in the admonition and the love of the Lord. But we all have to have our personal responsibility to come to know Christ. And maybe you're here today and you have confessed and you've repented and you've made a decision maybe at home maybe with your family and you've come to Jesus fantastic can I encourage you to take that next step in the journey and that is to be baptized you say why is that important because baptism identifies you with being a part of the body of Christ and that's what John the Baptist was doing and even Jesus himself comes on the scene, as we discover in this chapter, and has John the Baptist baptize him not to make Jesus who he already was, but so that Jesus could demonstrate how important it is that we identify with him. Baptism. The last word is this, discipleship. Discipleship. Jesus, John the Baptist is taken into custody, is arrested, Jesus comes on the scene, and at verse 16 it says this, as Jesus was going along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, Andrew, Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net and said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Four very important words in this chapter that apply to all of us who say we're children of God. The first one is personal confession, personal repentance, being baptized, and then after you are baptized, beginning a journey of discipleship. Saying to Jesus when he says, follow me, Lord, yes, I'll follow. Here's a question this morning. You need to confess? It's a daily thing, by the way. We initially confess our sins and come to Christ, yes. But it's a daily thing to confess my sins before the Lord. Because... I make mistakes every day. Surprise. So do you. It's to confess to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm not, I, I messed up. I'm not who I want to be, but thank God I'm not who I was. 
And I confess that sin to you. And I repent from that. And I want to turn from that. I want to walk away from that. And then when we do that at the first part of our experience, yes, we follow through in baptism. And then we follow through in discipleship. Where are you on that journey? This is going to be a fantastic study through the book of Mark. And I hope that you identify with Jesus and other disciples and other stories in here. Later in this chapter, we see Jesus, after he goes in the wilderness, come out through the wilderness, and he starts to heal people, and crazy things start to happen. And his disciples start to follow and experience that journey together. And you know what? Those crazy things that we experience and we see together in our journey of discipleship don't just have to happen in the Dominican Republic. They can happen in Greer, in Simpsonville, Greenville, Woodruff, wherever you live. Duncan, wherever you live. And they happen through us as part of the body of Christ, representing Jesus. Will you pray with me this morning? Lord, I thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the excitement of a new study in your word today. I am so excited about digging into this book I'm equally excited about digging into this book together with friends and learning maybe new things about your word and about myself. Lord, I pray if there's one in this room today who's never personally repented of their sins, never confessed their need for you, that today might be that first day. What a great way to start the new year by saying, I need Jesus. And then that they would follow through in baptism. Maybe there's some in this place today that need to do that. Would you move in their hearts during this time of invitation? Help us to follow you. You're calling to us. Are we listening? Are we listening? Help us to follow through. In Jesus' name.